We've been going through, uh, each week I'm covering a different topic from our Vacation Bible School themes, which um, that's actually what we were just doing the song about. So day one of Vacation Bible School, so if you've been here the last couple of weeks, day one, the theme of day one, which, up on screen, theme of day one was God made you, right? God made you was day one. It'll be there eventually. There we go. God made you. That was day one. And so we talked about that on day one, how God made everything out of nothing, right? He makes everything out of nothing. And then last week for day two, which is God is for you, right? God is for you. We talked about that last week. That was pretty intense about how God actually loved us. And the greatest thing that he loved, the greatest barrier that needed to be overcome was his love for his son. So in Romans chapter 8, it actually says that if God actually gave us his son, how much then will he give us everything else? And then today, our theme for the day, for day, for day three of the theme is, God is always with you. God is always with you. The theme verse for our Vacation Bible School on Wednesday night was, the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, how he's got the whole world in his hands you and me, everybody, and that he's orchestrating this massive, incredible plan for love for the world, for you and me, and for everybody to make himself known. Father, we give you praise today. As we open up your word, as always, we can't understand it without the enablement and illumination of your spirit's work. And Father, I pray that you make, things, you make your name great in the middle of your word, that you apply things exactly that you desire to do to each one of our hearts individually. Thank you, Father, that you have the ability to do that, to minister to your entire church around the world this morning, as well as speak individually to hearts and minds. And we give you praise this morning as you do that. Do what you do well, which is prepare a table for your people, even in the presence of our enemies. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so our passage for the day which was right out of the book of Joshua. And so I'm actually going to attack this in a little bit different way than Vacation Bible School did. I'm going to look at how God was with us in the past, how God is with us right now, and how God is with us in the beginning, so, or later on. And you'll see, that in the, you'll see that in the outline, and all the scripture verses that I'm actually referencing are actually on the study guides. But, I mean, come on, Joshua 1.8. All right, right in the very beginning, when I first... Um, when, when God first started to grip my heart, I, I still remember exactly where that was. I, was. I was actually driving down Randall Road in my truck. I was going north, heading home after work. And the Lord basically, like after piling truth and truth and truth on my heart and in my life and in different ways, he finally said to me, hey, when are you going to let me drive? When are you going to let me drive? And it was, kind of, it was kind of like a picture. Here I am driving the truck by myself. And I look over at the passenger seat. It wasn't audible, but I'm like, what? What? And from that day on, regardless of how God works in our lives, um, my, my life has been significantly transformed. And uh, I praise him for that. In fact, our testimonies frequently are always the same. And the reality of it is, is that our God, the God who made everything out of nothing, the God who is for us, is also always with us. Sometimes we have problems believing that, and so he goes through incredible lengths and opportunities, and he custom crafts, I believe, circumstances in such a way 
where he makes himself known, where it's almost impossible. And yet we still argue with the fact that, well, are you really with us? And that's exactly what's going on with Joshua, right? I mean, the story is such an incredible story. The Bible, an epic tale. I actually think all good stories that we read, if they capture our attention, if they're not carnal in and of themselves, like just all about worldliness, if they actually are epic tales about something great that actually inspires us, that helps us to be better human beings, that motivates us towards love and service towards others, usually what they really are are knockoffs of the scripture. They actually are the human heart, whether we realize it or not, the human heart writing the epic tale of the gospel, even if people don't realize that they're doing that, in little microcosms of fictional stories. And, and yet we, we, we grab onto them, we spend money in our entertainment to go see the stories when they come out into motion pictures. And so we have the story and the epic tale of God, mankind, the fall of mankind, and the redemption of mankind. So here it is. God actually calls Abram out. And he says, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna bless all the nations of the earth through you, right? We talked about this last week. He's like, how can you do that? I don't even have any kids. And he goes, I'm going to give you a promised child who we know is Isaac, who actually God told him to sacrifice. And he even told Abram, he's like, look at your family is going to go into a land that is not their own. They are going to be enslaved there for 430 years. I mean, I would have been like, what? I thought you said you were with me. No, this is what, this is part of the epic. This is part of the plan. And at the end of the 430 years, he elevates Moses. He does these incredible miracles that we're still making movies about today. I bet you like 10 years don't go by before we make another movie again about the Exodus, okay? About the miracles that God performed in Egypt to deliver the Israelites out of the slavery of, of Egypt and then to come into the promised land. And then you know what happened. They go into the promised land. They didn't believe God again, even after all the miracles. And God puts them in the desert for 40 years. And he's like, this is what's going to happen. You scoped out the land for 40 days. You didn't believe me. And so now you're all going to die in the wilderness if you were at this age or younger. And after that, I'm going to bring your kids into the land. And that's where we pick up the story where God says to Joshua, I am taking you guys in. So they've been eating manna for 40 years. They've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years as part of a, a disciplinary, loving disciplinary action for not believing God. And the time has now come where Moses actually dies and, he, and God comes to Joshua and says, I'm going to take care of business. By the way, Joshua was one of two spies that went in the land during the 40 days that was like, no, man, we got this. We got a God who's taking care of business, and we're gonna, he's going to take care of us even though there's giants in the land. And even though these people are big, even though they're bigger than us, even though they're more equipped than us, even though their walls of their city are greater than what we have living in the wilderness, our God is going to take care of us, and the people still didn't believe, and only two of those individuals got to come in, which was Joshua and Caleb. And Caleb's just awesome, right? I mean, that's just an amazing story, because what does he do later on, right? They're like, all right, what land do you want? I want the land where the giants are. And I I believe that he's saying that because he's like, my God is going to take on those giants, man. He's going to take on the Nephilim. He did not grow like weary in faith at all. Little tiny story about this man. Humongous faith in an even greater God. 
So we have the story in Joshua chapter 1, which we read. And this is just incredible, the promises that God lays out on Joshua. He's like, look it, I know you might be afraid. I know you might think that things are, we, you don't know where things are heading. But here, let me give you some stuff. Every place on where, where the sole of your foot treads, I'm going to give it to you. And don't forget that I'm the one who made it all. I made it all. So I'm promising this. Every place where your foot goes, I'm going to give it to you. Not one man is going to be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Not one man will be able to stand against you. These are promises that God gave directly to him. I will not fail you. I will not forsake you. I don't know about you, but I claim that promise like almost daily. In fact, the days that I don't claim that promise or I'm reminded of that promise are days when things aren't going so good, actually. So he then goes on and says, so because of these things, I want you to be what? I want you to be strong and I want you to be courageous. I want you to find your strength in me. I want you to find your courage in me. I want you to put all of your hope in me. And I'm telling you, you will not fail. And then he gives them this little tidbit of information, which was one of the very first after my experience on Randall Road. And I'm like, I got to start getting to know this God that's been laying on me. I got I to try and figure this out. One of the very first scripture verses I ever memorized came out of Joshua chapter 1. And it was this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night and be careful to do what is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. One of the very first verses I ever memorized. Not sorry for memorizing it at all because the reality of it is that if you have taken that verse to heart, you know it to be true. You stand upon the rock of these promises and the reality of it is is that the word is true. There is not one promise since the day that I met him that he has failed or reneged on. Not a single one. And I'm telling you that thousands upon thousands upon millions have gone on before me. They're in his presence right now and they're singing the same song. This is not a song that we need to be afraid to sing. This is a song that inspires strength, that inspires courage, that motivates his people into doing crazy things that are almost, I would say, that are impossible. In fact, God loves to choose impossible things through weak and broken vessels so that when people see it, they're like, there's no explanation for that at all. There's something else going on there. And then we say, it is. It's the presence of our God. The presence of the invisible God making himself known. So then he goes on and he says, Do not tremble or be dismayed. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Wherever you go, the Lord your God is with you. I remember early on, a lot of my, a lot, some of my theological thinking actually was birthed out of experience. I don't know how to put this. It was birthed out of experience that later on, I actually would read scripture and then I'd be like, oh, okay, I kind of get it. I don't know if I told you this before. No one invited me to church when I was in my 20s. I actually, I'll never forget this. This is another reason why I firmly believe that his word never fails. There were many, many days after he started laying his word on me where I actually could barely wake up and get moving. 
And all I knew is I needed to get to church. I needed to get to church. I started attending all kinds of churches in this area, actually. I'm like, is this the one? Is this the one where you remove whatever it is that you're doing to my soul, which is making me not happy? Is this, is this the answer now? Are you going to start like getting off my back on this one? And so he was kind of like leveraging me, right? So some of it is experiential in nature. And I'm saying that one day I was, after, after actually submitting myself to him, I was at work one day and I was just like doing some like electronic work for the, for the company that I work for. And, uh, and I was like doing this stuff and I was working and, and he's just right there with me the whole time. Like he's just right there. I'm like trying to do some stuff and he's like singing and talking and saying some things and the scriptures are just like present and moving through me. And I'm like, can't I just go anywhere without you? Like, isn't there a place now? So now this is after conversion. I say after conversion now. I don't get this, right? But now he's with me everywhere that I go. And I'm a little bit freaked out about it. I'll be honest with you. Experientially, I was a little freaked out about it. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm trying to do work here at work. Just I'm trying to fix some electronic stuff. Then I began to realize that he knew things about the work that I was doing more than what I knew. And if I was quiet enough, he would illuminate stuff to me so that I could fix it. And then other people would praise me for it, even though it wasn't me who fixed it, right? You, do you know what I'm talking about? I don't know if you guys have experienced this kind of stuff before. And I'm like, whoa, that's, that, this is incredible. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And I say, I say that that's a true truism. I've found this to be true. Not only in the promises where he says, be strong and courageous and do not fear. I am with you. I, I am establishing your feet, the steps of your feet, every place that you go. I don't want you to be afraid. And if he cares about my ability to fix a broken resistor on a card for like an electronics card that's going to like be thrown in the garbage, it probably is in the garbage. If he cares about that, then he cares about the big things in our lives too. He's right there in the middle of where we're at, okay? Is he with us? So in the past, was he with Joshua? Yeah, we know the story. Even VeggieTales made, uh, made a VeggieTales about it, right? I like that one. Keep walking, but you won't knock down our walls. Keep walking. You know, little French peas, but you won't knock down our walls. Keep walking, but you won't. And then they're just like running around the city, and then the boom, the walls come down. Hey, in the past, we know that God is with us. Here's another reason, right out of the scriptures. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, this is up on screen, right? In Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, but when the fullness of time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. So in the fullness of time, in the past, because our God is with us, he sent Christ. He sent his son into the world. Forever and ever, no beginning, the Son of God, uncreated, in glory, worshipped as God, He is God, gave up everything and stepped into time-space. He stepped into time-space. And when He did that, that was God demonstrating that He is with mankind. He is with us, humanity, but also with you. In Matthew chapter 1, 
Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. There it is. Like, his name means God is with us. So, like, again, we sing songs about this stuff. I love this song because I love the names of God so much. By the way, like, I, I can't encourage you enough to do the study on the names of God, even Jesus' name in and of itself, because we sing songs like, the name of the Lord is, let's write our Proverbs, the name of the Lord is a strong tower, and I will run to that tower, and I will find shelter in time of need. And I say that if you know his names, it will transform your prayer life too, because how often does the psalmist say, for your name's sake, O Lord, for your name's sake, O Lord, for your name's sake, Emmanuel, God with us, I need you here right now. I need you with me in the middle of what's going on in my circumstances right now. And I'm saying, does he say no to that? Does he say no to that? I say no. I say he never says no to that one. That's not one that he's going to say no to because he himself has promised it. And if we ask him for what he himself has already promised, it's just like it says in the New Testament, we already know that we have what we've asked for. We already know because all of the promises in Christ, if you're a believer, are yes and amen. Yes and amen. Let's try one more time, ready? Because all of the promises in Jesus are Yes and amen. We got them all. So when we invite him into our circumstances in our time of need, whether, whether it's in our time of joy or in our time of sorrow, he is there in the midst of it. Emmanuel, God with us. All right. He's been with us in our past. He's with us in the future or in our, in our current, in the right now. And I'm going to take a detour right now because I thought I'm like, all right, I could talk about how God is with us in our, um, in our suffering circumstances. Our church has been hurting a lot lately. Father, we believe in healing. I was going to say this today. Like, if you, want, if you want to be prayed for by the elders for healing, that's something that we do. We'll do that every single week. If you want to be prayed for, we'll pray for you. Um, we believe in that. We invite God into our circumstances regularly. But in the right now, I want to talk about something else. I want to talk about mission. I want to talk about purpose and vision in the right now. Because Jesus actually said, and I covered this last week, and we can apply this truth to say, yes, he is with me in my suffering. Lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. And I can take that verse out of its context, and I can say that God is with me in my suffering, in the circumstances that I'm in, he is with me. And you would not be false because there are other verses that actually support that truism. But that particular verse, lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age, has a different context. What is it? What is the context? It's the Great Commission. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me. So Jesus comes. A body is created for him in the womb of a virgin. 
He's born as a baby, breathing air, eating food, going to the bathroom. He grows up, begins his public ministry, was a carpenter for a while. People were like, when he came back to his town, like, isn't he the, the guy that like fixes our stuff, like, like our wooden things? And uh, comes back, and he's doing his public ministry. He's healing people. He's raising people from the dead. He's teaching stuff. And the Jewish leaders or teachers at the time are like, where did this guy get this level of teaching? He's never even like been to synagogue school or whatever, or whatever their seminary was. He dies on the cross. Remember, we talked about this last week. The father takes the son to the altar, nails him to the tree. Jesus actually becomes our substitute death penalty on the tree for us, for everyone who believes, and then is raised. All promises that he had received from the father, by the way, not unlike any of the promises that we have received. In fact, he came as an example for us. Jesus received promises. He believed the promises. He lived the promises out and realize that they were true, and so also must we. And so in the resurrection, right before he ascends into glory, he goes to his followers and he says, I want you to know that all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Everything. I've got it all. There's not one little bit of authority that God has withheld from me. He has given me everything. I'm going to give some proof text in just a second because we're going to ask about, well, what isn't in everything? So he says, go therefore and make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. That's the context of that. The context of I am with you always, even until the end of the age. So, what kind of authority does Jesus actually have? What kind of authority does he really have? Does he have authority over trees? Authority over stars? Authority over the twitch in my eye? Authority over my muscles? My mind? Let's look at some scripture verses. Matthew chapter 11. Jesus, all things have been handed over to me by my Father. How many things? All. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. John chapter 3. The Father loves the Son, and he has given all things into his hands. Everything. Not one thing has been withheld from him. All things. John 13, 3, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, what did he do? He picked up the basin and the towel and he washed his disciples' feet. All things, again, that's three right there. Is that enough? Let's find some more. Ephesians chapter 1. God brought this about in Christ when he raised his son from the dead and he seated Jesus at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. And this one is actually the last one I'm going to share, and there's more. This one that I'm going to share is probably the closest 
to the, to the claim that Jesus made in Matthew chapter 28 when he says, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. John chapter 17, when Jesus is actually praying to the Father, he says, Jesus spoke these things, lifting up his eyes to heaven. He said, Father, the hour has come. This is the hour of his death, the hour of his glory, in his bruising, in his piercing, in his scourging, in his humiliation, in the pouring out of his, of his life's blood on the ground that he made. On the ground that he made. I brought this. This is a seed. It's a seed. It was, I have an oak tree in front of my house. And I say that he's got authority over the seed. He actually made this thing happen. He's got the ability to control it. I can't like lick it and stick it in the ground and make life happen. I can't make that happen. He can make that happen. And I'm telling you that there was a seed that hit the ground. And it hit the earth. And God inspired that seed to grow into the tree that he hung his son on. He made that tree grow. Because of his love for you and me. And Jesus says, the hour of my glory has come to give my life for the nations, for your glory, for your name, so that the Son may glorify you, even as you have given him authority over all flesh. He's got it all. It's not a surprise that this man can walk on water and put bones back together or cleanse lepers or raise people from the dead. We should not be surprised by this if we know who he is, if our minds have been illumined to the reality of what this man says. And he's either a liar, a lunatic, or he is who he is, right? That's what C.S. Lewis said. He's either lying and he knows that he's lying when he says, all authority has been given unto me. He's either a lunatic, a crazy person on the level of a poached egg, is what C.S. Lewis said, or he really is who he says he is, God incarnate, who has been given all authority in heaven and on earth, all authority over all flesh, that to all whom you have given him, he may give them eternal life. That's a gift. That's a huge gift. We did the study called the Blazing Center some years ago. I like this, actually. This, isn't, this is not out of the Bible, but it actually gives a picture. I think it's a pretty good song, a pretty good picture. of. We sing songs that are not always out of the Bible, but they, they kind of make... Uh, truths of the scripture big. So this is kind of like a song about, about Jesus that we got out of this Bible study that we did. Jesus has authority over Satan, over all demons, over all angels, good and evil, over the natural universe, over natural objects and laws and forces, gravity, stars, galaxies, planets, meteorites, authority over all weather systems, winds, rains, lightning, thunder, hurricanes, tornadoes, monsoons, typhoons, cyclones, authority over all of their effects, tidal waves, floods, fires, authority over all molecular and atomic reality, atoms, electrons, protons, neutrons, undiscovered subatomic particles, quantum physics, genetic structures, DNA, chromosomes, authority over all plants and animals, great and small, whales, redwoods, giant squid, 
great oaks, all fish, all wild beasts, all invisible anim- all invisible animals and plants, bacteria, viruses, parasites, germs, authority over all the parts and functions of the human body, every beat of the heart, every breath of the diaphragm, every electrical jump across million synapses in our brains, authority over all nations, over all governments, over all congresses, over all legislatures, over the presidents and the kings and the premiers and the courts, authority over all armies and weapons and bombs and terrorists, authority over industry and business and finance and currency, authority over all entertainment and amusement and leisure and media, over all education, over all research and science and discovery, authority over all crime and violence, over all families and neighborhoods, over the church and over every soul and every moment of every life that has been lived or will live to the very end of time. That is Jesus. Not a weak Lord. He holds it all. Every single one of them. Every single moment. And in this, he says what? Go. And I tell you, when I read stuff like that, and I read the scriptures, and I say this, I think we're invincible. I think we are invincible. The only way that we can be stopped is if the Lord actually allows the bullet to pierce me. And if he does that, he allowed it. You with me? We are invincible as the church because we have an invincible God. There's no stopping this man. There is no fighting him. There is no comparison. There is no yin-yang. There is just small and humongous glory. There is nothing else. It is him and all him. And in this, he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. That's good. Missions. He's got a purpose for us. Lo, I am with you always, even until the very end of the age. We must go and make disciples of the whole world. Paul put it this way. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. So really, there's only three options with the Great Commission, right? There's three options. There's zealous goers, which we have a couple right here, and maybe some more that have been here. There's people that are zealously going, who believe that all authority has been given to him, and that they will not be conquered, that God is establishing their very steps of where they're going, and they're going to bring the gospel to people that need it, okay? So there's zealous goers. There's zealous senders that actually are praying and giving and equipping and sending, and then there's disobedient. That's the only options. All right? That's it. That's the only options. Either you're going, you're sending, or you're disobedient. So if you're not involved in the first two groups, get into one of those groups. The the Spirit will actually inspire you. By the way, sometimes I would even go so far that's almost too simple because... God is sending you, even if you're not going somewhere other than where you're at, He's sending you to your McDonald's or to your Walmart or to the people that call you on the phone, the the telemarketers, right? Or the people that knock on your door. Hey, what's going on? Jesus is going on. Can I tell you about him? 
And okay, we have things we have things to talk about. So there's a couple of I, I put there was some links up there. So there's a book called Operation World, and uh, actually it's a really cool book. I think there's like seven or eleven different revisions of it. So they actually have an app, right? So you can download an app on your phone if you have a smartphone for Operation World. Today, you know what the unreached people group is? You can learn all about these people, what to pray for, how to pray for the people that are serving in this. It's Kazakhstan on the app today. So you can just put it, you can even set yourself a reminder at 10 o'clock every day, remind me to pray for an unreached people group and for the people that Lord you have equipped immortally to go there and to drop the seeds on these people. And then joshuaproject.net, actually, you can learn a whole lot of stuff. There's videos there, information there about the unreached people of the world. When A.B. Simpson was asked, when will Jesus come back, what was his answer? This gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all ethnic groups, and then the end will come. We must be engaged in the mission, and lo, he is with us always even until the end of the age. What is the Spirit of God asking you to do, and are you being submissively, lovingly obedient to that call? And then lastly, this is the last part, is God is always with you in the future. This is awesome stuff. It's kind of eschatology. I'm not really good with eschatology, but I like to read it because my imagination goes nuts with the potential possibility of what's going to happen. And every time like you, I see someone that's on the radio, they never look like what I thought that they would look like. So even with the truths of God's word kind of laid out, my expectation is that whatever my expectation is from his word, which is true, it's going to be greater than that. It's going to be greater than that. It's going to be greater than that. So God is always with us in the future. I have a couple of verses and then we'll close. Ezekiel chapter 37. God said, I will make a covenant of peace with my people. It will be an everlasting covenant with them. He did this through Jesus. Okay, He did this through Jesus. And I will place them and multiply them and I will set my sanctuary in their midst forever. No more going to churches with an invisible God. God is going to dwell in the midst of his people. That's what his promise is. My dwelling place also will be with them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. And the nations will know that I am the Lord who sanctifies Israel when my sanctuary is in the middle of my people. Oh, they won't have to wonder who he is. Who's the greatest God in the world? And there are little gods, by the way. There's little Gs. The Bible actually puts forth that, there's, that there are little gods. No one like the God, just authorities and power that thinks that they would like to ascend to him, but they are not like him. They are not close to him. There is no one like our God. No one. And then in Revelation 21, we see the, the unveiling of the same thought. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, 
made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, I believe you and I are going to hear this. I don't know like, if it's all just going to get like, broadcast in all the different languages at the same time or if we're all going to be given interpretation and there's like the language that the Lord speaks, that the angels speak, you know what I'm talking about? And now we'll actually have full implementation of all the gifts, which equals interpretation. Either way, I believe we are going to hear this. Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men and he will dwell among them and they shall be his people and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. The one who has all authority over everything, even the seed that I'm holding in my hand. And he said, right, for these words are faithful and true. Again, in Ezekiel, one last verse. And the name of the city from that day on shall be Jehovah Shammah. The Lord who is there. The Lord who is there. So I'm telling you, is God with us? You say, yes. So let's try it again. Is God with us? Yes. He is with us. One more time. Is God with us? Yes. He is with us from the beginning to the very end. So let's wrap it up. Be bold and be courageous. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Get engaged in the mission of which God has ordained his church to be involved in. If you're not involved in it yet, which is to reach the lost with the gospel, every group, every, every people group around the world, the people that, by the way, and they say this, I was thinking about you guys, by the way, when I was studying for this, a lot of those unreached people groups are immigrating here. They're immigrating to the U.S. What does that mean? Be bold and be courageous. Some of them might even knock on your door. Sent right to you. What is your role? Even if you're just thinking you're ascending, now you're engaged. We're engaged. Giving, sending, prayerful, going. Father, we give you thanks. Your word is true. Your promises never fail. You are victorious from the beginning until the very end. We praise you. Your name is known and will be made known throughout the ends of the earth. Magnify yourself through your Son and thank you that you are with us always. In Jesus' name, amen.